Okay. Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast where we talk about movies and waste your time for half an hour after that. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. I want to let you know the energy that I'm bringing today, all right? I feel like it's my job as, like, co-host and primary introductor of the podcast to like really my job is most important to set the vibe for the rest of the episode now that being said i'm running on about four hours of sleep no food and the only things that i've had to drink today are red bull and lemonade and it is 8 15 at night so my body is nothing but acid and just um i wouldn't call it vitriol but vigor see how often do you get under four or less hours of sleep? Um, often enough to where I have like a game plan for it, but <laughs> yeah, not yeah, so yeah. often to where I schedule around it. Okay. I schedule around it. Friday nights, Saturday nights, five hours and less. You got to. These are the weekends. Um, I can function not optimally. But I can function. I think if I had to do three or four, because I did three last night. But, dude, I've been freaking dialed in all day. Like, if you get (laughs) no sleep, everything else has to be perfect. Oh, absolutely. I was at work, and I was trying to type something up on the computer. Um, I had good momentum for all of 10 minutes. And then I, like, had to stop and, like, collect myself and be like, what am I doing? Yeah. Where am I? Yeah, like you need to have caffeine scheduled perfectly. You need to take your medication scheduled perfectly. You need to eat meals regularly and they need to be substantial. If you're not going to take naps, you need to be occupied. You need to be moving and exercising, even just like being active enough that you're not going to just fall asleep. Like it is work, dude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is why like having a desk job is a blessing and a curse because. I remember being at a desk job and again, having those like four hour night sleeps and just like, I'm just killing time. I am exit. I am nothing but a husk in a chair waiting for this clock to move several hours. And I have no conscious energy to do anything about it. And, but also, can you imagine having that same energy and having to be on your feet all day? Basically, what we're saying is jobs shouldn't require us to sleep. And I think that it's unfair that employers expect that of us. I wish because it wouldn't be a mental health day if I could take as many as I want. Because, yeah, dude, then I would I would never work the amount of time I'm supposed to work. And I wish and I know this is also not feasible. I wish they could just be like, oh, today, no customers. I'm not doing customer service. I will work. <laughs> But don't force me to interact with anybody. Maybe coworkers. I'm going to do admin stuff all day. No one talk to me. Yeah. I'm cleaning. I'm organizing. I'm scheduling. I, I might talk to coworkers if we know each other really well. But I'm not interfacing with people who don't know me. That would be nice. I would hit that <laughs> three, four times a week. <laughs> It would be used. You guys get me for one day. I get yeah. one good day a week. Don't waste it. It would be Thursday for sure. Maybe Friday if I had a good Thursday, but Monday through <laughs> Wednesday is not happening. It's just a wash. Don't yeah. even bother. Did I come to work late every Monday? 
And like my schedule, like work, they're cool with it as long as I work eight hours. So that means I leave late every Monday. Every Monday, dude, I am 30 to 90 minutes late. Whoa. whoa to the point where whoa. it's practically my schedule. And they're like, oh, Alex isn't in until an hour and a half later. Well, I guess he's leaving when it's dark out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, nobody cares because we're all adults. But I'm like, yeah, man, if I could just like hit a couple switches, be like, ah, I'm feeling suboptimal. I'm going to, you know, flip a couple of these things and I'm just not dealing. I, I mean, the world would be a better place. Nothing would get done. But like, I think having boundaries. But I would be happier. <laughs> boundaries with other people. Everyone would have better relationships because you'd only be talking to people when both people want to talk. My relationship with you would be so much better if I only interacted with you when I was feeling it. Yeah, dude, 100%. I mean, like, even like, I like you. And there's times where I'm like, dude, I don't want to do this podcast. I don't want to do it. And I like you. If I didn't (laughs) like you and we weren't doing something I enjoy, I mean, I wouldn't, podcast would be out of the question. I would never do it. It would never happen. It would. Yeah. Even if I got paid to do it, I didn't have to edit. I didn't have to set up anything. I literally just showed up. I would never do it. And what we're saying is work is meaningless. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Um, anyway, do you want to talk about our movie? Sure, dude. Um, this week we are continuing our two month theme of how have you not watched this? We're watching Alex's. How have you not watched this movie? Starting with eight mile. If you don't want to hear us talk about this 22-year-old movie in any way, shape, or form, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 28 minutes, 6 seconds. So, I'll let you, I'll let you kick okay, this off. Okay, so this movie, I don't know if it's my brand specifically, but one, it's notorious. Everyone has heard, I mean, it's the movie 8 Mile did. The rapping, it's the rapping movie. Um, I'm a big fan of hip hop, big fan of R&B, just music in general, big fan of Eminem. This movie came out 22 years ago, so I've had the time. Um, this is what Lose Yourself came from. Um, it's just in the zeitgeist for so long. And if you care about Eminem, then you watch this movie. Like it's, it doesn't make sense for me to watch it. And even if I didn't care about Eminem, my demo of just like mid twenties to mid thirties that group of dudes have seen this movie and I just haven't. I think this is one of those times where you just like, I've seen enough of it that I don't, that's how I, this is how I feel about Titanic is I've seen the big parts. What else do I now? I just got to watch them in order. Is that, is that the point? <laughs> um. So you touched on something that I wanted to talk about and we can talk about it early. Um, I don't think it really matters, but one of the things that I was surprised by this movie, and like you said, um, this is the movie that Lose Yourself came from, effectively, and that movie did not play as much of a part in the general structure of that movie the way that I thought it would. Like, the way everyone memes on it, and like, that's the thing that everyone remembers, that's the thing that everyone talks about. Just mom spaghetti, mom spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that song was going to be, like, relevant to the plot. Like, in this movie, Eminem's character, Jimmy, talks a lot about making his uh, demo tape. And I thought that, like, oh, yeah, we're going to watch him record his demo tape and Lose Yourself is going to be 
like the song that gets him picked up. And like, I thought that the song was going to be relevant to the movie, but it's really not. Dude, it, it won. I'm like 90%. I mean, this is, I mean, I have to look this up. I'm pretty sure he got an yeah. Oscar for it. It won. Yes. Uh, best original song. Yeah. Um, it's the credits song, which is not that crazy. It's not that crazy. This, isn't that what happened with um, uh, Billie Eilish and the Barbie? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, Golden Globe. she hasn't won it yet, but... But she won the um, Golden Globe yeah. for it, and she, the song is nominated for an Oscar. So it's not crazy for Beat the Credit song. It's crazy that that's the song this movie is known for. Yeah, it and is in the movie. you don't hear it till the movie's over. <laughs> it does underscore one scene. But it's just um, a few but, words. It's like yeah, it's like ad-libs. in the middle of it's in like the middle of the second act. It it doesn't really have any like connective tissue to the movie. So while it's not exclusively the credit song, it's effectively the credit song. Yeah, it it's wild. It'd be like the reprise was in the movie and the actual song was in the credits. Um. If you don't know anything about Eight Mile, Eight Mile is a the the it's not biographic like it it's not like it's not like an Eminem biopic or anything. It is just a movie that has a main character that draws a lot of inspiration from Eminem's life, but it's not like a one to one, and nobody's trying to make it one. But regardless, um, Eminem plays this character named Jimmy. Um, or White Rabbit is kind of like his stage Bunny name. Rabbit. Bunny Rabbit. You're right. B Sorry. Rabbit. B Rabbit. Um, and he is trying to make it as a rapper in Detroit, and his buddy hosts um, freestyle uh, roast battles. And this is kind of how the movie opens, is Jimmy goes on stage for one of these roasts. His opponent goes first. It's, her t- it's his time for a verse, and he chokes says nothing and is booed off stage and so the rest of the movie is him kind of trying to get his foot back in the scene trying to find his confidence trying to find um his style trying to earn the respect that he wants as a rapper in detroit and there are subplots about like this girl that he likes and his friend trying to hook him up with a record deal. And yeah, and he's got, he broke up with his girlfriend who may or may not be pregnant. And he's moved in with his mom who's got drama with her boyfriend who's the same age as him. Yeah. It's uh the chronicles of being poor and, pers- and pursuing the arts. That's the tagline yes. for this movie. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, all right, I'm going to be real with you, dude. Okay. This movie's okay. It's okay. I, if, it's not okay. It might just be good. It's not great. That's yeah. It might just be good and not like, oh, it's good. It's it's not it's a little bit higher than fine. Because the mu- the best parts, the best parts are the rapping and then there's I think one scene that I'm like, "Oh, I really like this." Yeah. So, as far as performances go, um Eminem does a good job for what this movie asks of him. Right. This he movie does not ask a lot of him. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I dude, I 100% agree. There's not a big stretch of who he is in real life to who he has to pretend to be. He is acting. 
but he's it's not like he's Daniel Day Lewis. And I don't think anyone was expecting that, um, especially when you're making a movie that is pretty close to how he grew up. Right. But the emotional dial is stressed and focused on yourself on one side and yelling at everyone around you on the other. And there's no middle dial. It just flicks between the two. Right. Which is fine because some people are like that. Yeah. And it felt like maybe not Eminem in particular, but I was very believable that his character was like that. Like that didn't seem weird. Um, Yeah. It just became evident. I'm like, oh, this guy only rides on the ends of a seesaw. Like there is no balance. Um, And his mom definitely has some sort of uh, mental illness. Or here's the thing. Or she's in an extremely traumatic situation all the time. And it is impossible for her to make a good decision because of that, which is fair. And also Eminem or Eminem's character, uh, B-Rabbit is surrounded by a bunch of people who are experiencing the same thing. A super traumatic situation that doesn't go away and they are incapable of making wise decisions because of this constant stress, which is why I cut a lot of slack for the characters and for the writing and for what actually happens in this movie. Cause a lot of people are like, this is unrealistic. I can't believe this is happening. I'm like, this dude gave his girlfriend his car, did not have a car and is carrying around his clothes in a trash bag. And he has to go back and live with his mom cause he can't afford rent and she can't afford rent. And he's living in a trailer. Like that's the situation. It's doesn't get deeper than that. If if you want to break this down to a study into a lens, it's hey, life is hard. Let me show you the way lives your life can be hard and then on top of that, try to be successful at something that is hard in general. Like it doesn't this movie doesn't I think the people who love this movie, you know, 8 out of 10 and up, look at it as a as a a focus on poverty and trying to leave it like almost like this is the pursuit of happiness for a rapper instead of a yeah stockbroker i was thinking of the same comparison guys there are two movies about poor people eight mile and pursuit of happiness that's it yeah i mean those are like the quintessentials like my life sucks and 90 percent of this movie is gonna be struggling Um, um i think in terms of secondary characters i think future his friend Loved Future, him. who's the one that hosts the the battles. Yeah, very, very good. Liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where um, Jimmy's mom gives him a car, and it's broken, doesn't work. That's kind of why she gives it to him, because it doesn't yeah, he's work. He's like, here's a car for your birthday. He's like, you're giving me a car? Yeah, dude, it doesn't work. This girl's not going to give you a free working car. And there's a scene where Jimmy and Future are working on the car together and they start working up. They start working on songs. They start improvising. And like that scene had a very natural flow to it where you watch it. And there is like a comfort of like, they've done this before. This is not their first rodeo dealing with a junker like this and um, having to work on it in the morning and get it running for the day. And there were just enough scenes like that sprinkled into the movie that made future one of the better characters overall. He felt real. Like this guy was based off a real person. And I think he was, 
Um, but it it was very believable. Also, I don't know how believable it goes, um, but Cheddar Bob, played by Evan Jones, was hilarious. And not even because what he said was funny, but I'm like, this guy is playing stupid so well. I'm starting to think the actor is stupid and he's not <laughs> acting. Because there's some people like Jake Johnson, for instance, who have a reputation for paying, for playing numbskulls, like guys who can barely make it through life to just alcoholics. This guy, I'm like, dude, I don't, I've never seen an interview with you. There's no way you're acting. This is so, you're, you're playing a moron so well. It was hilarious, dude. I was just sold. This is who this guy is. Um, I mean, and there's a couple of side characters. Don't talk. I mean, like Wink was just annoying for me. No, yeah. I, so I get it. Wink was Wink was the character that was trying to get Jimmy his record deal and kept talking about like, "I'll get you studio time. I'll get you studio time." But I think the crux of that, the reason why those scenes and his arc in general didn't feel as cohesive is because that was the C plot of this movie. Plot A is I want to be a rapper with respect. Plot Mm -hmm. B is my life sucks and I don't want it to anymore. And then plot C is maybe I'll get in the studio and do some demo time. And Wink only shows up in those instances where they like he he has maybe maybe ten minutes of screen time. Yeah. Um, and I mean that's kind of the po- I get. I'm done defending this movie, which is why I don't want to give it lower than the score I'm giving it because like I know why they're doing it. I just don't like it. Like the whole point yeah. is that he only shows up when he's got deals. He's not around. He's trying to just make things happen, and half of it is just lies. Him just making stuff yeah. up or just like using extensive hyperbole to just make himself bigger than he is so the whole point is that he only comes up when he's trying to sell something i get it i just don't like him and i know i'm opening a can of worms by saying this but i have to address it anyway and the other reason i didn't like wink's character is because the d plot of him sleeping (laughs) with jimmy's girlfriend is so like uh like an unnecessary add-on like we've already we're already like four layers deep in the my life sucks train. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to ruin the one good thing he has with infidelity. Like, I understand that that's kind of the purpose of movies like these is every time you think it gets low, we can always go lower. But I know that you do not love Brittany Murphy's performance, and no. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I just, um, I, I did not bounce off it in the way that you did um but her character liked jimmy like at no point did it seem like alex alex is britney murphy's character they meet at one of the battles and they like uh or they meet they meet at his job and they um have a few passing instances at these battles um so they start going out and she is interested in him and she is putting the work in for him and she meets his mom and stuff like that. So I thought that like, hey, regardless on if you like the character or not, this is a good thing for Jimmy. It, it is something to help him out a little bit. And then to right. just kind of like squash that over nothing. And it didn't have a strong lead up to it. It was just kind of like, oh, by the way, Wink slept with your girlfriend. And they just move on. I'm like, what? 
Yeah. Um, they lead, the only lead up would be like uh, he's helping her. So he's trying to do favors for everyone. So he's she's a model modeler. She models on the side. Um, and he's got to hook up with a photographer. And then he, later, B Rabbit or Jimmy Smith is his real name. Um, walks in on them at the studio having sex. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like she would be, she, this is one of those things where you're just like, I don't think someone would do that, but under the circumstances of like, my life sucks, you're not making reasonable decisions. Maybe she would do that. It was like, whatever. And then obviously there's a huge fight that breaks out. And then because of that fight, people show up at Jimmy's house and then beat him within an inch of his life, almost kill him. Um, so it did further the plot, but I'm like, guys, there would have been way more believable and effective ways to make this happen. But it was a choice. I respect the choice. I know that this is one of those things where I know they did it on purpose. I know they did it for a reason. I just don't like that they did it. Yeah. So there is one thing that, you know, we haven't talked about yet that we should touch on a little bit is the battles in this movie are good. Yeah. Like, just like it's one of those things where. You can take them out of context and you'll get pretty much the full weight of whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, it, like, oh, this it, is the good guy. This Im- is the bad guy. Oh, you can look at the crowd's reaction and be like, oh, that was that was a pretty good dig. I, I, that's literally how I consume this movie. I had no idea who anybody, with, who anybody was. I didn't know who they were outside of what was going on on the stage. And I'm like, oh, that was a pretty good burn. I'm like, I just, you just don't know. And that's fine. Yeah, so I would say if you are interested in this movie but aren't don't know if you want to commit, I would just say watch any just Google eight mile rap battles, watch one of them, and be like, do I like this? Let me. If I do, then I should see the context for this. And if not, then that's the best part of the movie. Give up. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna get better than this. Um. um yeah, dude. You nailed it. That's exactly how I feel. And I mean, there's and there's a whole another plot. With so, his mom. so I think the thing that I would have liked to see a little bit more out of this movie is I wish there was a little bit more of Jimmy overcoming the stage fright because he chokes once and then the next time he's fine. Like st- just straight up. That's it. He has like one practice round in a parking lot. And then after that, he goes on stage again. There's like five seconds of pause where the audience is like, is he going to choke again? And then he doesn't. So like, I, it it felt weird that we started the story on the choke and then didn't follow up on it much. But in in their movie's defense, this movie had so much going on to add another plot line of here's how I'm going to get over stage fright and being in front of people. It would have been way too much. If he had to go. Yeah, that's kind of why what I was proposing was less of another layer and more of just a layer rework. Yeah, I just don't even care Um, about the fact that he choked. Like, that sucked. But (laughs) I'm like, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. Because I don't know if it's not believable because we know who Eminem is or the fact that, like, yo, this happened in the first 15 minutes of the movie. We also know there's rapping in the other parts of the movie. So for me, it was just so low stakes that I'm like, whatever. I, I... don't know if I ever bought into this movie. I wanted to like it. And then 15 minutes in, you realize real quick, it's just my life sucks in Detroit and I'm really good at something. And that's pretty much this whole movie. Because like um, he doesn't become successful in the movie. 
Spoilers, the movie ends and he's the same dude who just happened to win a big rap battle. That's it. Um, Last week when we were introducing this movie, um, I mentioned that the only thing I knew about this movie was to get ready for a young Anthony Mackie. First of all, Anthony Mackie looks exactly the same. Yep. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Identical. Hasn't changed. And he, again, he is the main antagonist of this movie, I would say. Like, everybody talks about Papa Doc, who is his character. They talk about him like he's freaking Kingpin, okay? What's well, um, like the whole crew, like the free world. Yeah. That's, that's the thing, is everyone talks about Papa Doc. It's really the free world. And also, Papa Doc has like six lines this entire movie. <laughs> and that's the thing that I was going to say, is Anthony Mackie has talked about 8 Mile in enough interviews that I have seen that I would have I thought he would have been in more of it. You would have been convinced he was like the third lead. Yeah. Dude, I don't know where he is on the call sheet. <laughs> I can tell you where he is on the IMDb listing, second to last. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's one of those things where I'm like this guy probably only went to set 10 days. So um, according to the IMDb trivia, filming the rap battle scenes took a long time. Um, so it seems like Anthony Mackie had to do the hardest part for the least amount of time. Or you know what I'm trying to say? Like, even though he was on set for maybe not as much, he still had to put in some of the most work. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's also weird because like we see him rap once. And then he gives up. <laughs> we literally see him rap once. He had Anthony Mackie had to rap one time, and the rest of him being at the rap battles is him cheering Scowling. on te- teammates <laughs> and yelling. It's also I realize this is Anthony Mackie's first movie. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, how did he? I mean, I guess uh, how did he land it? I don't know. I mean, I'm auditioned. Yeah, just auditioned, and like, oh, this guy seems legit, and that's it. Um, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I'm disappointed. This movie seemed like a shoe in Like, I was going to love it. People talk about this movie all the time. Um, and it was good. I thought yeah. this was a guaranteed eight for me, bro. Um, I don't think... I would not use the word disappointment, but you and I also, like we've noticed, um, went in with different expectations. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, that 100% is like... In a in a vacuum, I would not have been disappointed. This movie would have been fine. It, it's good, but I I set my dude my standards were way too high. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it a six point seven five. I'm giving it a six point five. We I I was going back and forth between six and a half, six point seven five. It's the same to me. It's I mean I think that small of a margin is just the mood you were in when you were watching it. Yep, that's that's totally it. Um, it's yeah. It's it's good. You should watch it. It's just a rap movie, dude, with Eminem in it. Watch The Pursuit of Happiness and then imagine Will Smith. Hey, Will Smith can rap. If there's a sequel to this movie, Will Smith should be in it. The joke that I wrote on Letterboxd was I can't wait for this movie to get remade with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I got beef with Lin-Manuel Miranda, so I didn't like that joke. I went into this movie defensive. I'm like, how dare you say that? Because you watched this the day before I did. I'm like, that's not cool, man. And then I'm like, that's uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Why not? <laughs> All right. Let's welcome back our non-movie listeners and move into our middle segment. 
This week we are doing a grading scale. This is a segment where I have curated lists of categories and you need to rank the things in that category um, using like a letter scale. A standard, you know, F through A, S if you're feeling fancy. I like it every time we're doing it. Okay, first up, we have fictional cars. All right? Okay. Um, up first, we have the mystery machine. Uh, C tier. Whoa, C tier. It's um, a van with a cool paint job. Also, driven by teen- It's driven by teenagers. It's not going to be nice. It's probably going to be gross on the inside because they're going to eat in there. They do stakeouts in there. It's iconic, but the vehicle's a vehicle, dude. All right, up next, we have Kit. From Knight Rider? A tier. Yeah. <laughs> that thing's freaking so dope. The only thing I don't like is like, it's always talking to me. <laughs> Shut up for two seconds. Shut up. And it's sentient. It can drive itself. Let me I be in charge. I don't need a car. I don't need a car that judges me. Okay. Yeah. Like, I want an Alfred. I don't yeah. want a, par- a spouse in the car. <laughs> wow. Okay. Backseat driver. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Hey, you can. I can take care of this. Like, can you imagine a car talking back to you? Like, dude, we're not <laughs> equals. We're not equals. I'm driving you. I'll just not give you gas. <laughs> I can get another car. Yeah. Um. Up next, we have the Mach Five from Speed Racer. Uh, B tier. Okay. I'm unimpressed with the Speed Racer. It's a fast car, but like, it's not really my style. I will say. Aesthetically speaking, I think it's pretty slick. Yeah, that's the only thing um, it has going for itself. I think. I mean, the fact that it is fast and it, the style has to be your style. It is not um, ubiquitous. Not everyone thinks it's a good-looking car. So the Mach Five parody in GTA Five is one of my favorite cars to drive in that game, and I don't like um, it. Okay, so, there's that. And uh, final one in this category. I'm not talking about fictional cars without talking about Lightning McQueen. Oh, dude. I'm going to add one to the end of this. Lightning McQueen okay. is A tier. Okay. Dynaco is S tier, bro. Really? That blue with the big old fin in the back. Uh, what, who's the, what was the name of the car? It starts with a, a D. Second. The Duke? The, no. The, the King. The King. That's an S tier car, dude. Yeah. That was so cool. Lightning McQueen is just NASCAR, but yeah, he's cool. He's fast, but like, dude, that Dynaco, the King, so cool, bro. And then, dude, half the half the cars in Radiator Springs are nicer. Big fan. Um, and the car I'm adding at the end is the Batmobile, obviously. And I'm talking sure. spe- specifically the Tumbler S tier, dude. That's what I want. That's what I want Kit to be. Maybe okay. I'll talk okay. to you and ask you to do stuff, but I want the Batmobile. All right, next category. Color combinations on two flavored candy. Does that make sense? Yep. First up, orange yellow. Gross. D tier. Um, green blue. Ah, uh, D tier. Wait, Whoa, no. Okay. F the lowest F tier. Whoa. Green blue flavored F tier, bro. Because here's All the right. thing: blue is too many flavors. Green is too many flavors. I don't. I literally don't know what I'm putting in my mouth. Also, those colors get used for <laughs> mystery flavors. Like mystery packs are either white, purple, or blue and green. I'm not taking those chances, dude. Um, pink red. B tier. Pink's no most of the time. Pink lemonade, and that I mean, it's just fire. And or, then red is usually or 
Strawberry. Uh, strawberry, which is both yeah. of those are bangers. And red's usually watermelon yeah. or cherry. Yeah. You, I mean, there's not a whole lot of risk going on. Um, And then finally, blue red. Uh, C tier. I, I thought you were going to give me like the brown pink for like the chocolate strawberry or the, the whole brown pink white <laughs> for the Neapolitan. A tier. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That can only, uh, can only be one thing. Um, up next, the next category is the fastest way to ru- to ruin a cinematic or television legacy. Dope. The first up is a one season reboot, sequel, or spinoff. Um, a tier for it being effective at ruining it. Okay. It. Um. Um. Because yeah. so many people just like just don't watch the last season, but you got the whole cast back, and yeah. we're just like when when this happens, I always think. Two two things, Scrubs, yeah, and then Prison Break. Is it like Prison oh, dude, Break is not that bad of a it's final not season. that watch bad. all of Prison Break, but it was done, and then it came back way later, and then it came back way later again, and I'm like, yeah, stop yeah. doing this. <laughs> I always thought, what, yeah, when it was happening, I'm like, oh, dude, they're coming back for one season, and that kept happening over and over and over again. <laughs> I just got mad over and over and over again. Two seasons, that's it. Um, hardcore pivot into vocal bigotry. Um, C tier. Because it's not always effective. Sometimes yeah, a lot it of times, works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, a lot. So I also think of like, hey man, they would just be like, hey, watch seasons two through four. The first season, I'm trying to figure it out. Two through four is good. And then five, six, and seven of them just like, um, you know, getting too political. But like at that point, there's so many seasons out and they're usually 20. Like it's a, that's a sitcom problem for the most part. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Cause it's like 20 minute episodes. You have it on the background. Um, and final, we have doing a super bowl ad, uh, D tier. That doesn't ruin it for me at all. Game of Thrones. Okay. did one. I think do- dude, it does not bother me. It's fine. Even if you got like the only thing that could make it bad is if it was Canon So like, sure. they come back after the next episode. They're like, Oh, you missed that one minute thing. Well, I guess you don't understand what's going on now. Like, as long as, I mean, like, I yeah, everything else doesn't bother me. So this is actually a backdoor into me talking about something that's been frustrating me for a while. And considering how we're heading headfirst into Super Bowl se- season, um, now's an opportunity for me to bring it up, is so Super Bowl ads, this is going to sound so stupid the way I say it, but, like, Super Bowl ads have become way too corporate and gamified. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, the only way to get people to do reunions these days is to do it for a Super Bowl ad. Like, last year, the big thing that frustrated me was this was a headline from, like, Variety and THR and, like, media publishers where they were like, Brian Cranston will rep- will reprise his role as Walter White for the Popcorners commercial. And I'm like, shut up. Like, that is so annoying. Like, does it ruin the legacy? No. No. But it does frustrate me enough to be like, hey, Brian, I feel like you respect your work a little more than that to go back for a popcorn snack commercial. Uh, But it's annoying, but it doesn't take me out of it. Sometimes like I just like don't like the hype about it. Like, I don't like knowing about commercials until I'm watching them. it is so crazy, like, in the era of uploading commercials to YouTube, like, 
companies will put their Super Bowl ads on YouTube a full week before the Super Bowl. Crazy, dude. Like, Paramount Plus has already released their Super Bowl ad. Now, I want to be clear. It's a pretty good ad. As far as, like, Super Bowl ads go, that one was a pretty good one. But it's not the Super Bowl yet. Yeah, I I like being surprised. And then, obviously, the next day, we all go to work and then just watch them all. And yeah, then talk about uh-huh. it. But, like... I like I like watching it live. Um, so yeah, that was just an excuse for me to talk about that. Um, accents that you're surprised to find out an actor naturally has. Now I want to make it clear that these are all accents that I'm comfortable speaking about confidently. I could have gone more specific. I actively chose not to. Okay. Um, uh, first up is Australian. Um, finding out someone's Australian has that accent is not super jarring because i think at this point i'm used to it like i remember finding out that thor was australian i'm like i guess that's weird but it's not that big of a deal i feel like the first one catches you off guard but then every time after that it's kind of like huh so i guess being australian is normal then huh yeah and then i'm like hugh jackman wolverine seems pretty american um yeah c tier i think it's pretty normal uh irish this is wild because So when I think of the Irish, I think Killian Murphy. Sure. Because the dude, it's so different. And then uh, Barry uh, Coogan. Um, it's, yeah. Oh, and Colin Farrell. It's just mm-hmm. so different than American English and or Boston accent or Southern accent. It's just so different that I'm like, how did you hide it? Like now it's like you're uh- a different person. Was Paul Mescal Irish in After Sun? I don't know. I need to rewatch that movie. I don't think so, but I, I could also yeah. be wrong. It's, oh, and the film follows an 11-year-old Scottish girl on holiday with her father. So yeah, he was... Likely. He, yeah. Okay. If not, um, I mean, Scottish and Irish, I know they're not the same. I, I know, but like, they're not that different. <laughs> so what letter grade? Uh, B tier. No, A minus tier. <laughs> okay. Um... Italian. Now, you might be thinking, Craig, what actors yes. have successfully hidden their Italian accents? Yes, I am thinking I can't that think thing. of any off the top of my head, but wouldn't that be surprising? <laughs> um, I think I'm also just not super familiar with the Italian accent. I think of Mario and then the Italian-American accent, which is its own accent. Um, I The closest thing I can think of in my head is like a Spanish, like from Spain accent. It's kind of, it's not totally dissimilar. Um, I'm going B tier for that. I just want to just to find the record. To be honest, I think the accent would be impressive. I'd be like, I didn't know they're from Italy. That's wild. I think that would be the extent of it. I just want to make it clear that I Googled actors with an Italian accent, and then it gave me a bunch of actors with a New York accent. Yeah. So. I figured it was all going to be Italian-American, <laughs> like that New England, Boston, New York accent, so. And the final one in this category is how surprised are you when you find out that an actor naturally has an American accent? Um, there are, and I put specifically, yeah, I put specifically Midwestern or New York. Um, not it it depends on the person because there's some I can do like um, give you some examples if you'd like. Yeah, send it, dude. Um, because the one that I always think about is um Chadwick Boseman. I had not seen any movies with him other than Black Panther for like a year or two. And then I would go and watch like his interviews and I'm like, oh, this dude, this dude's from Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's uh i mean like when you see someone have it like that's how i feel about a lot of things i think a lot of people feel about forrest whitaker because he yeah play, uh-huh. he plays african people so often that like you're just like oh he's from here that's why and the other one and the other example that i think about is um this is kind of cheating but i think still gets the point across larry the cable guy yeah when you find out that he has a Midwestern accent, it kind of changes how you look at him entirely. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just a different thing. I also think about, like, there are people who are American that I, who, if you told me they weren't, I would believe you. Like, John Hamm is one of those people. The dude's from Missouri. Really? I'm yeah. Like, but if you told I, me, like, he was South African and he was friends with Shelly's Theron, I'd be like, hey, I believe it. Whoa. Okay. Or like he was Note like, oh self, yeah, no, I'm I actually can from lie Wales. to Alex. Like it's just like one of those things because you just look at what they're putting out. Sometimes, I mean, it did not surprise me when Game of Thrones. Most of those guys weren't American. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's Game of Thrones. That's also that's how I feel about a lot of that level of television. Like if you told me half the cast of Succession or White Lotus, the stuff winning awards, they weren't American, I'd be like, yeah, of course. That makes sense. <laughs> and that's how I hold um, John Ham show, whatever it was called. Mad, Mad Men. Mad Men is like at that upper level. Where I'm like, yeah, dude, if they wanted to bring in someone to play this lead, I believe you. That's why, I mean, Idris Elba came in and did a Baltimore accent for The Wire. Like, that's just standard operating procedure when you're trying to, you know, do an amazing job. You, you source them from all over the country. I would say, uh, for the purposes of your question, though, uh, C tier. They're right there with Australians. Okay. Um, moving into the next category. Um, things that you would continue to use after a new hole appears in it. Cool. Make sense? Yep. Um, first one is a plastic water bottle that has a hole in the top 10% of the bottle. Uh, D tier. I'm not using it unless it's an emergency. I'm around, I've run okay. kids too much, dude. Stuff would spill all the time. Even if it's just Fair water, enough. Not happening. Yeah. Um, up next is a colander or a strainer. For our dumb audience. I'm going to go A tier. Wouldn't even notice. A tier? Yeah, sure. Like, oh, you lose a few extra noodles. Okay, whatever. Um, a shower towel? Uh, B tier. It would just move from the guest and, um, like public the one where my kids guests family that bathroom would go and just go straight into the my public bathroom. domain towel yeah it would go to mine and macy's towel like the towel in our bathroom so it'd still get used but like it's losing some of its privileges and the last one of course underwear uh f tier just it not even used to be d tier it used to be d tier because like right where like the I wear boxer briefs. So right at the bottom where it's like on my thigh, there might be a hole right where that elastic is just getting worn down. Sure. Um, and then I would use it if I really liked that pair. Like everything fit right. The elastic, the, everything was perfect. Uh, now I get bullied from my wife. So now it's after <laughs> Not worth it. Okay. Um, we have two more categories. Sweet. Um, shows that are amazing to watch clips of on TikTok. Sweet. Um, suits. Hot take. And this is because I'm a purist. D tier. I don't cl- wholly disagree. They are clipping such good parts out that you're you're missing context. This is like watching the wrapping of 8 Mile, but 8 Mile is great. 
Like, yeah, it adds to the show to watch these parts. This is like blasphemy pulling them out for your entertainment. You freaking pleb. Watch it how it's supposed to be watched. Now they'll catch me a couple times. Like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that scene. That is so good. But like all in all, D tier, man, don't do it. Uh, Young Sheldon. Freaking A tier. I'm never going to watch it, dude. And there's a, <laughs> way too many episodes. Send it. I, I don't even like the show, but I'm like, I mean, get your money. Um, Family Guy. Uh, S tier. Yep. Totally S tier. Totally agree. I don't, I'm not. Holy what, agree. What else a- also, South Park. S tier. Yeah, sure. And then uh, House, MD. Uh, So I'm going to go B tier. I agree. Because I want to watch all of House. And I feel like this is a situation with Suits. Where I'm like, I don't want you to spoil it for me. But there's so many episodes that I'm like, all right, give me a little bit. I'll forget by the time I watch it. What I like about House Clips is it's really cool watching them be smart doctors. And the clips are very good at presenting them being smart doctors. But the clips always cut off. Like, every episode of House, like, the patient like crashes right and when you're watching the clips they always cut out like in the middle of the patient crash yeah, then you gotta go to the and comments like, and then they're like this yeah. happened in season one episode this this is here's the context of what happened and here's what happened afterwards and you have to go to the comments and then you click on, every single time and then you click on the profile and you're like okay their next video is probably the next part of this scene and then you click on it and then you scroll down to where you just watched it. And then it's not even the same. It's like they don't upload in order. All of the scenes are disjointed. They're only uploading the popular scenes. Like, okay, I've just wasted my time. Yep. Totally agree. Um, Moving on to our final category. All right. Yes. Comedians that were just before our time enough to where we're not super familiar with them, but they created a big enough legacy that we probably should look into it. All right, and so, if you have looked into these comedians, okay. just play in the space. Okay, just, that was about to say, I'm like, I'm kind of, this is a tricky, but yeah, I got you. Um, first up is uh, Dana Carvey. Uh, B tier. He's okay. friends with Spade, and that warrants B tier. He's got to be good. And he was around a lot of SNL people who are also hilarious. But like, Yeah, I want to let you know that this list is effectively like SNL Hall of Fame. Um, uh, okay. Up next is John Belushi. Uh, he's in enough movies that sh- uh, B tier. Okay. You just watch the movies, you know? Uh, Phil Hartman. C tier. Only because I, I the name sounds familiar. Couldn't put a face to it. And then finally, Al Franken. A tier. Al Franken is so weird to me as like a public figure. Yeah. Because very few people, like I was not cognizant when al franken was an entertainer so to me al franken has always been a political commentator so mm-hmm. i don't know how many people can get away with being a writer and cast member on snl for a collective 10 years and then just do politics yeah i i think he's worth looking into purely because like he seems so interesting and the only other person that I can think of that has made a transition like that is Cal Penn. Oh, yeah. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, but yeah, that's our grading scale. Sweet, dude. Um, Alex, what do you have for our one hit? I got two names for this. It's called The Designated Driver or You Must Be Fun at Parties. And I've gone on Reddit, as I usually do. And I've went on to Shower Thoughts. And I found some good ones. 
And your job is the sober one at the party or the buzzkill to be like, hey, man, you're just not figuring that out. Or, well, that makes sense. Like, this is not as cool as you think it is. This is not that high thought, that shower thought that you think it is. And let me tell you why you're nothing special. So I'm going to give you, an, I'll, I'll give you one and we'll, we'll workshop it from there. You're going to need to be sharp. Actually, no, you don't. Just don't be under the influence for this. There's m- more people who wake up at the same second than people who fall asleep at the same second. I, I'm trying to think about how I want to put this because the issue that I have with shower thoughts as a subreddit is it's a lot of people giving praise for a unique but normal observation. Yeah. You think about it and you're like, yeah, interesting you brought that up. That doesn't change my life at all. Yeah. And like, it doesn't need to change my life. It's it's not even changing how I'm thinking in this second. Yeah. It's like, like oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, cool. Nice. And like, it's like those people that tell you that you're manually breathing and it's like, okay, yeah, for the next 25 seconds until I forget and move on. Yeah. Be like, don't think about purple elephants. Don't think about purple. Oh, you got me <laughs> until 10 seconds from now. Um, was that adequate for you? Was that, did I play? I mean, the it's going to be, we're going to be doing this over and over again. So if your issue with shower thoughts is I'm not going to think about that, then you're going to be saying that for all. We'll have to dig a little deeper. Okay. Yeah. Got okay. It, got next it, got one. It. People who think the moon landing was fake never seem to refute the fact that we went five more times. I think it's a waste of time to debate science deniers on things that are not affecting them. Like, I think talking about, you know, vaccines in a healthy way and climate change in a healthy way. Yes, we should be changing minds about that. But at this point in the year of our Lord, 2024 AD or AC, what do we call it now? After common era, whatever. Um, if you are still hung up on the moon landing, g- get a hobby. Like, yeah, my I thing is like... just like, yeah, dude, they're worried about one of them. They think they, we, it, yeah, it's just like, they're refuting the most obvious one, but also <laughs> none of this matters. You know, like I want to make it clear. I am a huge supporter of um, astronomical study. I think us going into space is incredibly healthy for our science ecosystem. And to say that it doesn't matter is a blanket statement. However, like, let's pick our battles. All right. Yeah. For me, it's like, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I don't care. Now you can. Now this is when Neil deGrasse Tyson comes up. Well, here's why you should care. Hey, I don't. I don't care. Hey, Neil, if you want to tell us how important science is, come on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Have, uh, he, I'm not willing to Open learn. You're an educator. I'm not willing to learn. Uh, no, man, dude, this makes me mad that I read this. Um, spicy. I love it. It's not spicy. It's just like, how did this get so many upvotes? The more finance and economics you learn, the more you realize the sad reality of the world. I want to hit this person. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> bringing up economy and finance is such a weird. It, this it it's so obvious that this person is in their first semester college econ class and they're like, I'm just being like, I'm trying so hard. This bit is inherently negative and I don't like punching down like this, but there is, we can address it. The joke is everyone else is having a good time and we're going to ruin it. Yeah. It's not even a joke. It's, it's the whole concept. It's not funny. Sometimes we can try and and make it funny. 
But like one these the, guys are not fun to be around. One of the oldest adages in Proverbs is like ignorance being bliss and rewording that to fit your specific niche is not bringing anything new to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, two more. Considering how important they are, it's amazing that teeth just don't go, grow back and uh, don't repair themselves. Hey, considering how important our immune system is, isn't it crazy how it just doesn't beat cancer? Yeah, crazy. It's almost like our bodies aren't perfect. Yeah. The alternative would be everything fixes itself and grows back and we live forever. <laughs> what a weird <laughs> hill to die on with it being our teeth. What about my heart? I just heart? discovered our own mortality. Huh? Yeah. What? <laughs> cool, man. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, and finally, 10 minutes of the most intense pleasure does not outweigh 10 minutes of the most intense pain. If you have followed any YouTube creators or TikTok creators, any form of like comment based media, the thing that those creators will always tell you is it does not matter how many positive comments you read. The one negative comment is always going to stick with you. This is something that I've been familiar with like my entire conscious life, I feel like. So again, we're being really specific over things that we've had general terms for for a long time. Like it's not, it really feels like people are realizing life for the first time. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those things where me like, Oh, that's it's interesting when a kid says it. He's like, "Oh, I didn't realize you didn't know that." Yeah, it's like um, I'm trying to think of something I've had to explain to my kids recently. Oh, snow melts, but it can come back. Like it can snow more. So when it's done snowing and the snow melts, it doesn't mean that was it. <laughs> that was our <laughs> snow for the year. It's never no. We're like, dude, it's it's going to come and go and come and go, and that's just the way it is. Um, and you just have to like, I, yeah, I guess that's interesting if you've, I don't, I mean, not even if you've never thought about it before, it's just like, it's interesting that you don't know that not interesting in and of itself. So I have been using Reddit less and less. And when I mean less and less, I mean, I haven't used Reddit for its intentional purpose for the last like four years. Um, interesting. Yep. And it is interesting to see Because growing up, when I was a teenager, I didn't use Reddit as a teenager, but the way people talked about Reddit, like, that was the place for, like, mature adults to hang out. And now it has, like, pivoted exclusively, and this is not a demeaning, this is not a critique, it is simply an observation, where Reddit is now people asking for sex advice on every subreddit. Yeah, you have to find um subreddits with members under a certain amount like one it's one of those things that like once it gets too big and everyone knows about it then it gets tainted you have to keep it small like the worst subreddits of all time are ask men and ask women because every popular post on those subreddits is hey men What's something that you will never tell women, but you wish they knew? And the top post on Ask Women is, hey, women, what's something that you wish men knew, but you will never tell them? Like, congrats. We've done this four times this month. And, and, it's, and it's free posting. Like, you post it on one, and then you're like, oh, that guy, that guy 
got a lot of karma for that. Let me just ask the exact opposite question to women. It's and it it's dumb. And yeah, you have to stay away from like the big 400, 500 subreddits. You got to go smaller than that. There's a couple ones you can get away with, um, but you can't. You have to sort by like hot and best and top. Anything like new rising, it's all gonna be just waste. Now that we've uh, dunked on Reddit for a little bit, yeah. That um, being said, I use it like four hours a day. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on into free balling. Let's do our shared stuff first. Um, Alex tagged me in for another part of his comedy journey, which is um. I'm glad you're only hopping in on the good ones. I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> So, Beverly Hills Ninja. Yes. This is a movie that I watched once as a kid on Are We? I think like I rented <laughs> it from Netflix. Either I rented it from Netflix or this was like when streaming on Netflix just started. I think I rented it from Netflix. I think um, I watched like an SNL bit with Chris Farley mm-hmm. and I'm like, I like this guy. So we rented Tommy Boy and Beverly Hills Ninja. Wow. And in my mind, these are the two Chris Farley movies. Let me tell you, they are the two Chris Farley movies. The best one and the worst Dude, one. Dude, you, you <laughs> unintentionally did the best and worst. That's wild. Um, um, so did it? Did you like it as a kid? Did you knew, know it was bad? In my head, this held a nostalgic place in my mind. So for the last, how old am I? 25 for the last 14 years this has had like a nostalgic place in my mind and then i went back and rewatched it and i think hold on i think i didn't understand this movie the only memory i have of this movie is when chris farley at like the beginning of the third act he gets caught sneaking in somewhere and as he's getting caught he's saying to himself Haru, you are the world's best ninja. And then somebody walks up to him and he goes, oh, did I say ninja? I meant ninny. Haru, you are the best ninny. And I remember not getting that joke, but it latching in my brain. And then I saw it and I had a Jimmy Neutron brain blast in that moment. Except, Except if Jimmy Neutron's brain blasts gave him a legitimate aneurysm. Like, I watched that, and I, like, was so confused. I I hurt myself in confusion because I didn't fully understand why I held this movie to such high regard. Um, And for what it's worth, the movie, I don't think, rests on Asian stereotypes in a way that, like, is aggressively offensive. It's It's subtly offensive. It's subtly offensive. I thought it was going to be so much worse. Yeah. And I'm like, I watched this. Um, and I'm like, oh, you could make this movie today. Now it would bomb. Yeah. But you could, you could make this exact same movie today. It it wouldn't be that bad. Um, it it I wouldn't say it wouldn't be that bad. It wouldn't be worse. Yeah. Um, so all of the jokes, you go into a movie like this, and you're like, all the jokes are going to be like racist towards Asians. No. All the jokes are offensive, but specifically tailored to Chris Farley. Yeah. This movie punches down on Chris Farley physically and mentally at every point imaginable. And at this, I think the the joke is not even funny at this point because it's in it's in everything he does. It was in SNL. 
it was, I mean, it's, it's dumb and fat. It's every joke is dumb or fat, sometimes both. And like, you got to get used to that. And unfortunately for this movie, I mean, that's a long run time for the same joke over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, the moment I knew that this movie was not going to hold me like I thought it was going to was when the girl, I, I feel so bad referring to it like this. Hold on. Let me, let me be a little well, more She has two names, so I don't um, blame you. Allison yeah, or wh- Sarah? Yeah, Nicolette Sheardon is the actress. When she first enters the dojo and Chris Farley spends, and I am not exaggerating, 10 full minutes being an utter buffoon (laughs) physically. He is the joke for, again, 10 full minutes is him picking up various equipment pieces from the dojo and using them poorly. He picks up nunchucks. He hits himself in the, in the head. He tells Sally Jones to close her eyes and he'll disappear. He runs through a wall. He's unfurling this big scroll. It catches on fire. Like congrats. He's a buffoon in every way imaginable. Next. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, there's what else? Oh, Chris rocks in this movie. Yeah, Chris Farley wouldn't do this movie without Chris Rock, and he is, like, not super important to the movie. (laughs) Like, at all. This is the same movie with or without Chris Rock, except for two extras are not going to get hurt. Everything else is, like, it's an identical movie. Maybe you just wanted someone to hang out with on set. Yeah. Um, It's a nothing movie. To be honest, I watched this four days ago, three days ago. I remember half of it. Um, it's just, I think this is a movie that you have to watch before you turn 16. Because after that, like, maybe 18, depending on who you are. But, like, it's just not good enough anymore. You need other things. And you already have to be into Chris Farley, I yeah. think. This is one of those things that, like, you can recommend this movie to people. But you gotta, like, know what they're into. And, um, I, it's, I mean, r- dude, it's rough. It is rough. Yeah. It is a struggle to get through. I started it with Macy. She tapped out, and I had to watch the rest of it by myself. <laughs> and she tapped out like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in. We were in the middle of that dojo scene. I think we just finished the dojo scene, and we're like, all right. <laughs> Welp. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, so I think I think I have to give this movie a 3 out of 10. I mean, that's what I'm giving it. 3 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. What else? Um... I finally saw The Big Lebowski. Yeah? It is good, dude. It is very good. good. Um, It's got to be your kind of comedy, but it is well done. It is impressive how well it's... It's like they didn't cut corners. The dialogue is so good. Um, John Goodman's character had me dying, bro. And he's straight. He plays it straight the entire time. That's the thing about these... I sometimes don't like movies when no one's trying to be funny. It's just a bunch of straight men doing weird stuff and situational humor. A lot of stuff doesn't work on me or kind of takes me out of it. Cause then you're thinking, is this part of the joke? Is this not part of the joke? Are they making a joke? Dude, the whole movie's a joke and <laughs> the dialogue is so funny. And also I went in this movie, not knowing anything about it. It's a mystery, not oh, quite a whodunit okay. like, but like someone gets kidnapped and held for ransom and a dude, the dude uh, the main character is the dude, uh, has to assist. 
with getting her back. And I'm like, well, that's not at all what I thought this movie was going to be about. It's great, dude. I think um, it's, yeah, it's worth a watch. If you have the time, watch it. Not only because it contributes to, cin- like, people talk about it as a comedy, people talk about it as a, just a cinematic, uh, iconic movie. Like, just, you gotta watch it as part of cinematic history. Um, but it's, you're not gonna regret it. 1998, doesn't matter. It, it's good. Holds up. All right. I'm giving it a seven and a half. All right, good to hear it. I know who the real Agent Argyle is. I've been seeing ads um, for this movie everywhere. Yes. So Argyle is the rec- is the most recent movie by Matthew Vaughn, who is the guy that directed all the Kingsman movies, Kick Ass, X Men First Class. Um, kind of my guy. Now, <laughs> yeah. this movie is not as bad as everyone is saying it is. Okay. You're gonna go online, and this movie is the butt of everyone's jokes. Everybody on movie talk and twit and film Twitter is kind of dunking on this movie. It's not a bad movie. Now it's no Kingsman, <laughs> but like it's advertised it's like fine. it. Would you? What's it's that movie fu- with uh, Army Hammer and Henry Cavill? Uh, there's three spies: a Brit, American, and a Russian. The Man from Uncle. Yes. Is it about um, that level? I that's what I anticipated. I'm like, oh, this is just like the same movie. No, it's not that good. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, so hey. okay. Here's the premise. If you have not figured it out from the ads, um, Bryce Dallas Howard plays a character kind of like Tom Clancy, where she's a spy novelist who does a lot of research and writes very intricate and accurate spy novels. She gets kidnapped by a spy agency who's like, hey, you have been writing books that are beat for beat what is going on in our (laughs) geopolitical scenarios right now. So the bad spies wanted to kidnap you so that way you could write the next chapter of the book and they have inside information. We're kidnapping you so the bad guys don't get to you. Gotcha. Um, Like witness protection. Yeah, effectively. And the movie is framed where Bryce Dallas Howard is viewing the world through a realistic lens, but also through the lens of her book. Like Sam Rockwell plays the main good spy. And in the fight scenes, when Bryce Dallas Howard is watching these fight scenes, the the camera is cutting between Sam Rockwell and Henry Cavill, who plays the book version of her spy who is agent Argyle in her books. So the movie is like intertwining reality and how she is seeing reality through the lens of her book. Does that make sense? Yes. That is such a cool concept, dude. It is a really cool concept. And the movie is cheesy about this, but I think it works in the long run where when it switches between Sam Rockwell and Henry Cavill, the camera lens blinks. So it's the same fight scene. It just like you're watching a character blink and then it's a different person. So and as long so as you don't blink a, the same time the camera blinks, you'll be fine. Yeah. And so it is a very blunt but effective way of doing that. Now, this movie is flawed in the way that the mystery, the way the mystery unfolds. 
you always know when characters are leaving out information, which is my least favorite way to unspool a mystery. So you're telling me that we could have solved this whole thing if you had just been honest with me from the start? I find that incredibly frustrating. So there, this movie does plot twists well. I like most of the plot twists in this movie. There are probably no fewer than six plot twists in this movie. Oh, so by the time you get to the end, there are parts in this movie where they are setting up a plot twist like 20 minutes later. And there's one specifically where if you don't see it coming, I think we got to check you for brain damage. Well, I feel like there's so many at that point, if there's so many plot twists, then you got to see some of them coming. They can't all blow your mind. Just by the sheer random nature of variables. Like, odds are you're going to guess one right. Yeah, how Um, many secrets can you keep? One is easy. Six plus? Dude, something's going to spill. But that being said, Matthew Vaughn does deliver on Matthew Vaughn action. Um, There's a scene in the trailer where... um, People are fighting with colored smoke. Um, That scene in its entirety was very cool. It is one of the more visually appealing Matthew Vaughn fight scenes that I have seen. The way it, my favorite way to depict action is when they mess with color. Um, Like one of my favorite parts of the Birds of Prey movie is how colorful that movie is. and I think that it, the action benefited because of it. And there's another action scene in the third act that I thought was really cool, but I don't want to, you know, describe them all. Sure. So overall, if you like Matthew Vaughn movies, this is a Matthew Vaughn movie. If you are expecting the next great spy thriller, lower your expectations. Gotcha. Um, it is not a waste of time. It's a little longer than I would have liked it to be, but... I walked out not disappointed, but not fully satisfied. So like six and a quarter. Sweet, dude. Uh, I watched Wreck-It Ralph uh, uh, again. Like, obviously I've seen it before. It is so much better than I remember it, dude. Um, Are you queued up to watch Ralph Saves the Internet anytime soon? I started it tonight. We'll finish it tomorrow. Okay. Um. Because I agree, Wreck-It Ralph rules. It is it is just simply a cool movie. And like, it, I mean, the <laughs> references are spot on. Also, like, this is one of those movies where every time they introduce something, it's used. A lot of times, like, movies will introduce stuff and it's just for a joke or to have it in the... It's just for nothing because um, some writer in a room thought it would be a good idea and they were just never going to talk about it again. Everything is used. So, like, it's just, like, efficient storytelling and it just... I just trusted them by the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, dude, it's, it was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was good. And it was watchable for kids and adults. The voice acting was dope. And then also, I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out in 2012. So I didn't remember most of it. I remember like the big twist, but dude, it was so good. And I, and I've never seen, um, Ralph breaks the internet. So this will be my first time, but like, I was so surprised in how well it was done. Um, and which is impressive because I also watched Brother Bear and that movie's way worse than I remember it being. Sure. Um, but yeah, shout out Ralph, Ralph is 
Wreck It Ralph is one of the movies that I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want to say. Wreck It Ralph is one of the first movies that intentionally made me dislike a good character. Like, Fix It Felix, in the scope of Ralph as a character, is not an antagonist per se, but he's a foe. Yeah, it's one of those times where, like, it is possible to not like someone, even though they're not. There's no good reason. There's no good reason. That's fine. That's life. And this movie does it so well. Because, like, hey, man, I know you're trying to do the right thing, but, like, can you not right now? Yeah. So that that's something that I really liked about that movie. And like you said, the performance is a great. Sarah Silverman Dude, is so good in that movie. So good, bro. She was she's my favorite part of the whole movie. She's amazing. I loved it. And also all the little characters are good too. Like there was just good work done everywhere. Like that uh uh Bad Guys Anonymous meeting. Great. Yeah. Dude, it's just great across the board. I love this movie. Would 100% recommend to everyone. Um Score wise, I'm giving it eight and a quarter, dude. Hey, respect. It's a banger, I get dude. It. it. I think if you would ask me when, I, when we were starting off what I would give it, probably been in the sixes. So much better than I remember. All right, now it's time for my favorite part. Unless you wanted to do another one. No, nah, dude, I'm I'm tapped. All right, all right. So now it's time for my favorite part of the show, which is I don't know what we're watching next week, so I get to find out in real time. We're gonna watch Stanley Kubrick's. Full Metal Jacket. Um, it's a Marine Corps movie. I was in the Marine Corps. A lot of people have seen the boot camp scene. I have as well. Uh, the drill instructor is notoriously a real Marine Corps drill instructor. I don't know what happens in this movie outside of the boot camp scenes. I don't know anything. And I heard it's really good. However, Stanley Kubrick also directed Clockwork Orange. So no idea what I get myself what I'm getting myself into, um, but I I should have watched it by now. So now we're doing it. This is my little shop, just in case you were curious. I just had like, a feeling. I, honestly, I didn't think this was going to be a little shop. I thought the next movie is going to be a little shop. You might have cool. two little shops. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Alex likes to put on a show when I drag him through the mud in terms of watching sh- movies that we're diametrically opposed to. Um, but during this month, I I get to play my part too. Oh, don't you worry. Uh this okay, so, this will be your little shop. The next one will be your mama mia. That somehow works. <laughs> but until then, my name is Craig Wells, aka Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, aka Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.